You're listening to Just Asking with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation on what we're all thinking about, but no one's talking about. Our sexuality and how to manage it intelligently. Hi, I'm Stephen Ng, and you're listening to Just Asking. I'm sitting here with my friend Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Stephen. And we're about to talk about something. I don't know what it's going to be right now, but uh, something having to do with sex. And I invite you to just make yourself comfortable and sit in on this conversation because, like most people, you may not have people in your life with whom you can safely and comfortably talk about sexual matters. So what's on your mind today, Jackie? I don't see any guests here. No guests this time. So you, you said something interesting one time, and I, and I want to follow up on it. You said that there are three things that we need to have a happy life. So it sounds like you have the secret to happiness. <laughs> well, if I do, it's only because it was handed to me on a silver platter. Uh, yes, there are three things. And those three things are? Uh, well, wait a minute. Uh, or do you want me to? This is intellectual property. I don't know if I should just let anybody know about this. <laughs> How to have a happy life. Because we don't want everyone to have a happy life. <laughs> Actually, I have a very happy life, and I want everyone to have what I'm having. So I'd be glad to talk about this. It's, it's just there's a... You know, a couple of famous names in uh, the history of my profession. One of them is uh, Sigmund Freud. And as the years and the decades actually have fallen away, uh, his influence becomes less and less. But there's another individual whose influence has waxed rather than waned. And that would be uh, Alfred Adler, who was a contemporary of Freud's and who has been extremely influential across the board in modern psychotherapy. And he once said, and he was famous for saying things that were just so easy to understand. I think that was part of the reason he became so forgettable uh, in history, is because he didn't couch his insights in terms that required psychobabble and new language. So um, he said that, and he was talking about men in particular, that for a man to be successful, he had to, um, ha- or to, to, for men to be happy, that is, he had to be successful with career, friendship, and love. Now, of course, this also applies in our modern age to women just as much. But I think it's, it's, it's helpful to think about men with, in this way because so many women do these other things very well, and so few men do them very well. And what he was talking about was... Uh, a career, not a McJob down at the local fast food joint, uh, but something that was more than a paycheck, something that was a calling, a vocation, and that provided real meaning in your life. In other words, it was a, uh, a real support in terms of who you are, in t- uh, not only intellectually, but existentially. Something you could really sink your teeth into and feel good about and fulfilled, you know, when you think about going to work. The second, uh, friendship uh, is so much different than being a a social butterfly or a gadabout. Uh, There are a lot of men and women out there who have oodles of people they call friends. But when you, we start parsing, what do you exactly mean by friend? Are you talking about pals from work, buddies? Are you talking about acquaintances? Are you talking about friends? Or are you talking about those deepest inner circle friendships, the kind of people who will bail you out of jail at 3 a.m. or something like that? Well, we've talked about this before, um, about the kind of friends who will call you on your shit. 
who, who will just tell you if you, you're about to make a bad decision or you already have. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was just talking to someone today about that very thing. One of my clients was talking about how a friend, in the name of uh, doing just what you were saying, uh, wrote him a seven-page abusive letter outlining every single thing this oh, guy had no. ever thought he'd ever done oh, wrong. Oh, no. And, of course, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is men who are a positive social influence on other men, if we can talk about just men for a moment, and that these men are quite willing to eventually get to a point where in order to save the relationship, they become willing to risk the relationship. And by risking it, I mean risking the ire of their friend, uh, risking his uh, throwing down his drink and storming off out of the restaurant or whatever, terminating the relationship. So I like to think about it as a way of my friends having my back. And I have I have friends. You'd be surprised to know that, but I actually have real friends. And I'm going to say something that's going to be a con- little controversial, but if you listen to these podcasts, you've probably heard me say something like this before. The essence of friendship is a platonic affection, and that means for those of you who are hetero out there listening to this, that means it's really going to be hard, if not impossible, I vote for impossible, to have a friendship with somebody you're sexually attracted to because, let's face it, you're always waiting for scraps to fall off the table. You know, there's always some ulterior thoughts there that uh, maybe something can work out someday. So the last one is love. And having success in love is one of the parts of life that most fascinates me because, again, he's, he's not talking about just getting late or having a date or any of that, um, although he is talking about that those as well. So a client of mine who's unmarried, for example, might be really exactly where he needs to be when he's taking a break from all of that. And maybe he's not dating. Maybe he's not flirting. He's not doing anything. Um, but eventually, everyone around us, other than the asexual, would need to start thinking intelligently and proactively about taking care of their needs for love. And by love here, we mean not the love of childhood, but the kind of adult love that begins, well, right around the time of puberty, where we start noticing that um, people are, are really good for all sorts of other things besides playing Twister. So I, I like to think of us getting really good at love. And for the healthy single person, I think it means just what I said before, chatting up people, flirting, uh, asking people out on dates, that kind of thing. I think it's it's really important. And eventually getting to the place where we've grown out of all of those impediments that would absolutely sabotage any attempt at a committed relationship. And uh, we're ready to be loved. We're ready to love. We're ready to be loved. We've figured out how to coexist safely with other people under one roof. We don't get abusive. We have our indoor voice. Uh, when we're indoors. Can I can I just ask for some clarity on that? Sure. Um, because a lot of people will are on an eternal search for love. Like that's the main the main thing. Right. And um, maybe don't and, value being alone. Don't right value so much. And they working, suck at it. And working on yourself to become a better person. So I don't think what you're saying is that we need to be in a relationship to be happy. That's exactly right. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that. I 
I think being in process, though, is important. So even if I've made a mistake and now I'm divorced and on my own, or I've never been married, I think there's a learning curve that uh, has to do with what we would call intimacy skills. And in that learning curve, if you suck at intimacy, you're going to have a really hard time being successful in love. Well, and this goes back to what we've also talked about before, is you can work on the intimacy skills with your friends. Yes, absolutely. And, and to, a, to a degree. Right? To, a, to a degree, obviously. But, but to be a good friend, the skills it requires to be a good friend are often similar skills. They translate very well, very to, well to an intimate a, relationship. A romantic partner. Absolutely. And I misused the word intimate just there and implying friendship wasn't intimate because some of my most intimate fr- uh, relationships are with friends. They're just not uh, sexual. You know, so for me with my friends, um, I am learning the kind of skills and I'm learning about how I want people to treat me and I'm learning about what I need from people. And, and that crosses over very nicely to women uh, for me as a heterosexual in a romantic situation. It also translates back to the first one, career, how, how you want people to treat you considering how much, we, how much time we spend at work. Well, if you think of these as the three legs supporting a platform, you know, it's, it's bad enough to have one leg missing, but I know people, many people, who are three for three. They don't have a meaningful career. They don't have friends. And they don't have a satisfying, sustainable love life. And part of the reason for that is they're trying to use their love life and even their sex life as a substitute for the other two. And so many married people I know simply don't even pursue friendship. They're not open to friendship. And obviously it's never too late. Oh, no. After 30, it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, it's not too late. Right. I mean, you you could be in your 50s or 60s and maybe not have a meaningful career or friends. Yeah. And you can start then. Well, I'm going to even push it farther. I have a client who is now in his 80s, but he met the love of his life in his 70s. And he said he never knew what he was doing before. And now that he knows what he's doing, he's having this amazing romance with this amazing woman. And, you know, the old saying, all's well that ends well. Well, for him, that's really true. It feels like so much joy has come into his life now that he knows what he's doing a little more, that he can actually have healthy arguments and they can resolve conflicts. It's not all, you know, sweetness and rainbows. It's, uh, it's, it's it's also got the their share of conflict, but you know that I th- I think the willingness to engage, the willingness to admit, I don't know everything just now. I I have stuff I have yet to learn, and I think it's hard for people to know that. And this thing about career, I you know I don't know where it just derailed from the American consciousness, but for millions of Americans, talking about career is sort of not a thing we do, at least not with the value that we. I think used to in the uh, older, in you know, in earlier years in our culture. Well, and again, getting clarity on the on the terms you're using. Um, having a successful career does not necessarily mean making buckets of money and absolutely being not. a doctor. It's it's back to your original doing something that fulfills you. Absolutely, and and it, for the retiree, for example, it may have nothing to do with money at all, but. It could be a program of lifelong learning, um, years of service in service organizations, 
It could be reaching out to one's own family and being helpful and kind, and that becomes a way of life, and it becomes a career. So career takes on as, I think the least important thing about career is money, and I would, I would recommend any young person listening to this to simply forget about money and just do what you really feel like you're supposed to do with your life. You'll probably be wrong, but you'll find out that you're <laughs> wrong, and then you'll move on to something else. But that's part of the process, just like with love and getting ready you know, to be in a successful loving relationship. You have to understand that but to make an omelet, you've got to break a few eggs, and you're going to have broken hearts, you're going to have disappointments, and that that's all part of the learning process. It's the same with friendship, frankly. I mean, we've all had friends who drifted away, friends who betrayed us, friends who stole our toys when we were little. So, you know, those kinds of people are out there. And what we're supposed to learn is how to be more discerning, how to be more insightful when it comes to reading other people. And then also to, to um, ladder up our disclosures, to ladder up our commitments so that we're not all in on the first date or all in on that first job interview. You know, to remember to hold back a little bit and ask myself the question, well, what's in it for me? So thank you. And I tried <laughs> I try to one of the, the my favorite things about getting older is understanding all the things I don't know. Yeah. You know, and no, I hear you. So I really appreciate this. It's it's really interesting insight. Um so. it, doesn't it make you value your wonderful friends even more? Like they're 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 kind of a major support for your mental health. Oh no, I adore I adore my I adore my friends. I right yeah, and they help you with romance. I mean, I think friends give us feedback with romance and career, and they all mutually support each other. And uh, I would recommend people. Last word before people uh, uh, go on to do whatever it is they're going to do today is just you know when you're evaluating potential mates to take a look at whether or not they have success in those three areas. Because if they don't, uh, you're looking at some problems down the road. Again, interesting. Um, so we are going to take a brief hiatus from this podcast. Um, so don't worry when you don't get a new one in a couple of weeks, but we will be back down the road. So just Google Just Asking, and uh, we will let you know where we are. Thank you, Stephen. This has been a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thanks, Jackie.